Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and this is my second, actually, technically my third time around recording this intro, because the first time it got a little too grim talking about current events, uh, the second time I meandered a little bit, and while I I generally like a little meandering uh, in my intros, it, it just... I don't know. It didn't sit right with me. So today, uh, yeah, I, I did all that yesterday. Oh, and then I got interrupted uh, because there was stuff going on upstairs, and there was some kind of. Apparently, they decided to to use a jackhammer to do some kind of work in the kitchen. At least that's what it sounded like from down here. So I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to play Red Dead Redemption for the next twelve hours, and uh, I will try and hit this again tomorrow. And now. I'm downstairs, everything's quiet and peaceful, and I've learned that the secret to getting quiet in the house while I'm recording is to wait until my son has to record something for his uh, digital learning. And then everybody's nice and quiet, and I don't have to worry about anything going crazy upstairs or uh, sudden construction projects happening just over my head. So now I am doing my recording, I'm doing my intro... And I got to say, just everybody do your best in these times. We got to look out for each other and our families and, and honestly, for, for the community. We all have a responsibility now to do the best that we can to stop the spread of this thing. And I know it's tough. I know for some people it sucks being stuck at home. I know for some people, uh, my gosh, the, uh, the economy is, this is brutal people who are out of work, uh, companies who are making massive cuts to get by. I know it all sucks, but the thing to look at is that we are in this together, that everybody is going through some degree of hardship from this, and that we're going to come out the other end and and hopefully remember some of the lessons that we've learned. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. For the time being, though, there's still toys, movies, music, and pop culture dorkery to keep our minds off of the terrible things that are going on. And uh, that brings us to time for some news. Some of what I've got this week is news. Some of what I've got this week is just kind of putting stuff over. But I'm going to start... Well, actually, I guess it's all putting stuff over. Because that's what we do here. We talk about the things that we love and the things that we're excited about in order to take our minds off of the things that maybe aren't so exciting. So the first thing I want to cover here... and. I don't know if this is something I, I ever would have imagined I'd be discussing or excited about, but Todd McFarlane launched a Kickstarter for a remastered Spawn action figure and comic. Now, your first thought on this is, why is he doing a Kickstarter? The man has a toy company. Why not just put it out? Because this is something different and special, and at the end of the day, no matter how... Todd McFarlane's toy company is run or does things, it still has to deal with retail, it still has to deal with orders, and this is a different type of item that 
McFarlane wanted to do the way he wanted to do it, which is how he's done everything in his life, and I respect the heck out of that. Uh, so, in order to do this figure this way, he went to Kickstarter. And look, I have no problem with that, because Kickstarter is a venue where if you believe in something and you want something, you put your money down and then at some point you get it. Now, the at some point you get it is what tends to be a problem. I currently have two Kickstarters that I backed, I think, four years ago now that have had one problem or another delivering. Uh, and that's where you run into problems. And, and I'm at a point now where I'm probably not going to back anything unless it's from a brand I recognize, which is terrible because that defeats the purpose of Kickstarter. But... Uh, these independents can't, or, or not not all of them, many independents have delivered things time and time again. But I have two very specific experiences and then others that I am aware of where the product isn't being delivered. And that to me says, hey, everybody, stop getting so mad when somebody like Todd McFarlane who's a brand you can trust. You know, say what say whatever you want about McFarlane Toys, you know you can trust that this thing is going to come out. He's got experience, he's he's got a brand attached to his name. Uh there's no doubt in my mind that this thing is going to deliver when it says it's going to deliver. It's going to be a great product and that's what I need to put my money down now. I'm not going to look at some fly-by-night toy company and believe that they're actually going to deliver this figure or figures that they say they are, because my experience thus far has been that they don't. Uh, so, having said all of that, uh, there is a Kickstarter going on right now for a, a remastered Spawn action figure. And the, the comic as well, but I'll be honest, I don't care about the comic. I've still got my first copy of Spawn number one. Uh, sitting in there, I've got... Do I have one autograph? No, I've got number two autograph, maybe? I don't know, whatever. Uh, I've still got it. I don't care about a remastered Spawn comic, uh, other than as an, an item of curiosity. But the figure, to me, is exciting because I love that Spawn character design. I really, really do. And that original wave of Spawn action figures changed the toy industry i've spoken about it before it changed everything so I, I have a great deal of respect and a lot of sentimental uh attachment to you know spawn for that uh and look i read the comic for the first 50 75 issues whatever uh so i mean i i dug it at the time i haven't revisited it um I don't know how well it's going to hold up to to 43-year-old me, but you know, at the time, what was it 1992 or 3 or something along so 16, 17-year-old me, whatever I was at the time, uh dug the heck out of it. So, you know, but whatever. I I the character of Spawn to me symbolizes hard work and effort and perseverance and and ultimately creative expression to me uh so this figure is going to have tons and tons of articulation there's a video on the kickstarter page showing that you know the 
if you see pictures of the figure itself, it looks like a statue. It's not a statue. If you go and you look, it's got a breakdown of the articulation, and it's as articulated as as any NACA figure you're going to see. Uh, it's a seven inch scale. It's got a big, massive folding cape. There are uh, stretch goals, and they've already hit two of the stretch goals, maybe more since I put my information together. But as of right now, rather than rubber chains, he's going to have die-cast chains or steel chains, uh, and each figure is going to come with an extra set of hands that are fists. Uh, there are three different versions. There's classic Spawn that looks basically like a remastered version of the original spawn figure it's the old uh it's that first design on his costume with the red and the white uh he's got the mask on it looks incredible then there's modern spawn that has the redone costume that still looks cool but i never cared for as much he lost the red panels on the torso and and to me why i don't get it but it's and it's got an unmasked head with the shoestring lacing the face up it looks great as well i'm interested in both of those figures and then there's an artist proof and i'm i'm not really in on this artist proof thing that that some uh toy manufacturers have been doing i don't care about this and then there's a three pack where you can get all three but i'm excited about this thing i have not backed it yet because i'm waiting to hear how i can get just two of the figures uh, that that has been mentioned in the comments and it hasn't been addressed by McFarlane yet, but I'm I'm keeping an eye on it because I, I want to know what's going on with that. Okay, so there's another stretch goal, uh, 1.4 million in pledges, which they've hit. Another free upgrade. Uh, however, I do, it's not it's a video. I don't see it listed as to what it is. So, but I, I'll just say this. If, if you have any kind of fondness for Spawn in the way that I do, go check out this Kickstarter. Uh, if you're against, you know, basically big names doing Kickstarter, I understand, I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get it. And I'm not, you know, whatever. That's your own personal thing. Uh, but I'm excited for this. I think it looks very cool. Uh, another piece of news. The Star Wars Retro Collection Series 2 is showing up at ugh, Walmart now. Uh, there is an end cap that has a pretty, pretty good volume of the Retro Collection Empire Strikes Back figures. If you remember last year, the Retro Collection came out uh, and was Target exclusive, which I would rather things be Target exclusive, but at the same time, I only saw a full set of these twice, and I bought a full set both times I did because I wanted to have one opened and one uh, boxed up. And, and I don't know, distribution didn't seem great for those, or, or quantities maybe didn't seem great for those. Now, uh, showing up in Ohio and Virginia so far, it's this big, one of their big block end caps that comes in a big carton, and they just open the carton up and set it out. And it looks like there's a pretty decent quantity. There's some Black Series figures on there, um, the Wave with Dooku and the Sith Trooper, and uh, Zori Bliss, I think that's a Wave. And then the Boba Fett, black series helmets which i look i'll I'll go ahead and tell you guys right now i'm a dum-dum i'm gonna buy one as soon as i see it and there are like a dozen of these things on this end cap potentially more probably just a dozen though and uh i'm gonna buy one and pay full price as soon as i see it even though i know for a fact they're gonna end up on clearance i bet what's gonna happen is i'm gonna see one i'm gonna buy it as soon as i see it and certainly by christmas time if not sooner I will be able to buy another one for like 25 bucks, if not less. Uh, I, I'm going to guess 25 though. But 
that FOMO is strong, especially on one of my favorite characters from any pop culture thing ever. I love Boba Fett's design. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of Mandalorian culture from the old continuity. Uh, I think what Karen Travis did with the Mandos is is incredible. Uh, one of the greatest, or one of my favorite expansions uh, on a concept ever. I absolutely love it. And I just, since I was a kid, I love Boba Fett. He was my favorite Star Wars figure. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I take that back. That C-3PO might have been my favorite. But but Boba Fett was close because he just looks so different and interesting to me. Uh, and, and I think if you get anything against Boba Fett, it's, it's artificial. But that's my personal opinion. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to get that helmet like a dum-dum. Uh, next up, I got a new record. And I don't talk about this a whole heck of a lot. But I feel like it's worth mentioning. I ordered from a new a new uh, distributor or company, production company, whatever you want to call it, called Space Lab Nine. I ordered the soundtrack to the Adams Family television show, original music from the Adams Family, composed by Vic Mizzy, and it's this beautiful uh, edition. It has 13 tracks on it selected from the show. It's got the instrumental version of the main theme. It's got the vocal version of the main theme. And uh, the packaging is just gorgeous. All these great cast pictures. There's a booklet inside that, that opens up and uh, has some great information about the show. Some gorgeous big pictures, uh, album flat size. And then it's on green translucent vinyl with a black spatter in the middle. And I can't remember exactly... Uh, what that was called lurch's lament was this this color variation i think there were three different variations and then a glow in the dark one that i totally missed out on uh but i've never ordered from space lab nine before but this looks like a nice quality release i recommend you go check them out they do a lot of video game soundtracks uh but every once in a while something like this will pop in there that they take over from this was an rca release originally uh it's just beautiful. It came today, and I love it. I think it looks great. Uh, another thing that I would like to recommend to everybody, or at least to fans of, like, pinup and uh, saucy, sassy art, I guess, uh, there's an artist named Scott Blair. I highly recommend you go and follow him on Instagram. And he's just... His style just gets it's perfect i love his style he's funny uh he he has a great unique like you see his art and you know it's him and i believe the first piece of art that got me following him was a girl with uh presumably no pants on a jack-o'-lantern in her lap with that had been cut open with the pumpkin guts she's pulling them out with her hand uh she's got a three-quarter sleeve baseball shirt on but it's like hiked up and showing some under boob uh very very like sexy pinup style picture and then she's got a michael myers mask on it's it's funny it's sexy it's weird and all those things are some of my favorite things and he has released an art book called offensive it's his first sketchbook although it's called sketchbook i think it's offensive sketchbook volume one as in there will be an offensive sketchbook volume two because i've got another one of his sketchbooks that's also great but this is my favorite sketchbook i've ever gotten from an artist it's hilarious it's beautiful there's one in here of yoda with seagulls uh there's another one of ahsoka with the child um robocop fighting an alien 
uh, and it's all the high, high quality print. Like this is, this is like a graphic novel you would get from a comic book shop. Uh, as far as how it's bound and the quality of it, the pages are not glossy. They're they or they're like low gloss. I don't know what you would call it, but they're not that high glossy stuff where you can't look at it in a room with a light on. It's just wonderful. You can go to eBay, um, search for Scott Blair. Oh gosh, what is his eBay called? Oh, hang on. There's a business card in here. I'm looking right now, and uh, well, follow Scott Blair Art on Instagram. And then from there, you'll be able to find his eBay store. And I can't remember what it's called right now, but that's where you can get all this stuff. And there's also a five-pack of stickers of this character, Lucy, he created. She's a little devil. And uh, these are not fit for family consumption. I'll just say that. So go check out Scott Blair. He's an incredible artist. I highly recommend him. Uh, and then I think... that it's, is that Was that news? I don't know that that was really news. I'll tell you what. While I'm sitting here... Since I've got the internet open anyway. Oh, okay, one last piece of news. It's it's another piece of release news. Uh, Mezco, yesterday for me, two days ago for you, uh, put the pre-order up, or not even pre-order, the order up for Baron Benz, who is the sort of Jack Kirby-looking nautical character they showed at Toy Fair. Uh, incredible set. This is, once again, Mezco using uh, an original IP has gone far above and beyond what we expect, even from their normal 112 collective figures. And the figure looks amazing. The set is, it comes with these four angler, like monster angler fish and a display base that they all plug into. It's got an alternate head that's, uh, I think, intended to look like their mascot, Gomez. Uh, comes with this anchor weapon on a diecast chain in this huge halberd and uh, just looks amazing and then the set comes with a comic book and a t-shirt and I think a couple other things I'm so excited to get this thing and it ships in May or June so it's it's basically I mean it is a pre-order but also I think they've got them in hand and it's just gonna, just going to be a matter of processing these the wait list is as of this recording still open and I have gotten a wait list item from Mezco before so I recommend you you know you look into that if you want to uh, so there you go I think that's enough news for today that honestly isn't really news is just here here you go here's some fun stuff. Ugh, you know what I forgot to talk about in the news? I forgot to mention the, the massive WWE releases, but honestly, there's too much to cover there. Uh, I might have to record like a separate mini-cast about that or something, because that's that's a lot. And today, we've got other business to get to, because it is time to record the April Q&A. Uh, with the way things are shaking out right now, it's scheduling things i know it seems like well this would be a great time to sit at home and record with people but my personal schedule is kind of wonkier than it's ever been and it's just uh i i'm gonna give you guys great new content uh, interviews all kind of you you've probably noticed a lot more mini casts going up lately uh and that's going to be happening but as far as like doing interviews or stuff or trying to schedule things for groups it's tough. Uh, we're going to try to record a new needless commentary this weekend. Uh, we're going to see how it goes. We're, we're, me and technology are not really good friends. So I am hoping for success and prepared for disappointment. 
So we'll we'll see. We'll see. But we we've we've got our plan and we'll see what it is. But it's very easy. These Q and A's are great. They're I feel like they're interactive for you guys uh, because every single question has been taken from uh, people that are in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group or that I've put up on Facebook. So priority to the Facebook group questions, but I am going to hit as many as I can in this episode. But I've got a big, giant list. And I also, while I was recording this, went and posted in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, Lightning Round. Give me some questions, and we'll see how lightning roundy they are. I, I think you guys are capable of giving me some quick answer questions, but we'll see. Okay, uh, so let's start with ones that are left from the last Q&A that I didn't quite make it to. Or ones that were, uh, some people will ask multiple questions, and I try and, you know, I'll get to those when I can get to those uh, okay, Corey from the Spooky Dudes podcast. Go check that out. You've hosted large panels at DragonCon and several events before a live audience. What advice can you offer folks who are just beginning to host? Um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of live performing, and I think it's different for every person. I will have no trouble saying that I'm I'm good at it. Uh, doing MCW for a few years and going out there and working three hours a night and improving the whole time, not knowing, I say improving, improvising the whole time, not knowing uh, what what match was going to happen next, who was going to be late, how long I was going to have to go between matches, just talking to the, the audience and entertaining them. Uh, I have a feel for crowd energy. I feel like i'm good at reading crowds and that's not something that everybody has uh but if you're lucky like me you do and and it kind of comes easily so it's hard for me to give advice but i'll try and keep it a little general be prepared know what you're doing to the best of your ability but more than that be prepared for the live experience Think something's going to go wrong. Something unexpected is going to happen. So have your your mental awareness, you know, pumped up to the max. Uh, be ready to think on your toes. Be ready to handle things. And I'm not talking about like the room catching on fire. I'm talking about a fellow panelist uh, maybe needing to be steered back towards the subject. I'm talking about. Uh, somebody maybe just going too long and not letting anybody else talk and being ready to to because there there are places if you're the moderator it's a little bit easier because everybody recognizes beforehand that you are sort of the voice of the panel so it's easier when somebody is going on too long not letting other people talk to try and get them back on track uh, because you have a certain amount of implied authority, I guess. Uh, but if you're a panelist and you're on with a lousy moderator, and I have been, uh, I, I've been on with a lousy moderator. I don't feel that I have been a lousy moderator. Uh, matter of fact, I'm very proud of the success that I've had, even when uh, things 
were not quite what I wanted them to be uh, beforehand. But, you know, it's difficult when you are part of a panel and you see things going off the rails and you're not the moderator. There are ways to gently nudge things without stepping on anybody's toes and I, I I just don't know how to put it into words. You have a feel for it. You have a feel for live performance. But but anybody, I think, can be aware. Like, sometimes maybe it's best to just sit there and say, you know what, I'm just part of this panel. It's not my responsibility to try and keep things on track. I just, you take a deep breath. You know, person A just keeps rambling about themselves or whatever is going on. And you say, I'm... I'm here. I'm here to have fun. I'm going to get through the next 30, 40 minutes of this thing, and and uh, I'm going to contribute my best. And that's another thing that is very important to me. You need to look your best when you are performing live. I understand not everybody has the same standards that I do, and I don't like... You know, if somebody shows up in a t-shirt and flip-flops to do a panel, that's that's their choice. And I don't think like, oh, what a sack of shit. Because sometimes those people are really entertaining and they're great. And, and I think that's awesome. But for me personally, I, I don't do that. When I show up to perform in front of people, it's important to me that I look like somebody who should be performing in front of people. Uh, now that for everyone, that's not going to be a suit or uh, uh, some you know relevant costume or whatever the case may be, but think think the best of yourself. You know, if you think your best is cut off shorts and a t shirt, eh, you know that's that's fine. If that's your best, that's your best. But uh, why not look at yourself and think your best is is at least a, a button up shirt and maybe a tie or or some nice slacks like look like people should want to listen to you because that's a big portion of having a live presence and looking like you should be in front of people talking i want you to i want you to do a little exercise with me here uh i want you to 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 close your eyes and think about your favorite convention Imagine you're going to a panel on a topic that you care pretty deeply about. Whether it be Doctor Who or, uh, you know, DC Comics or, or whatever. Something that you're into. You go into that room and you have five panelists. You've got a moderator. Moderator's, you know, looking... He, he's he's clean. He looks like he, he uh, took care of himself after he got out of bed this morning. Uh, you've got one panelist who's got on a, a stained T-shirt. He hasn't shaved in a couple of days. Uh, his hair is maybe a little jacked up. Uh, you got another panelist, uh, another T-shirt person, but you know maybe di- maybe she did her hair a little bit. Maybe uh, you know again looks clean, but maybe didn't put. It, this is what they look like every day. Then you've got another guy who's wearing a suit tie. Or, or maybe a vest and a tie, uh, hair's done, looks sharp, clean, shaven, everything looks good. Who are you taking most seriously out of this collection of people? 
the the guy that looks just like you that makes you think, well, why am I not just sitting up there talking? Or the person who clearly took this event seriously, put effort into putting themselves together. Uh, you know, that that's how I look at these things. And, and uh, you know, to some people, I'm sure that makes me sound like an asshole. But guess what? In a panel, I'm going to be the asshole that people are listening to and respecting. And not the asshole that looks like he couldn't be bothered to take a shower and shave. That's, uh, you know. Uh, and the other good thing about performing live is there's an energy that comes from the crowd that can't be replicated anywhere else. My favorite things I've ever done... I would rather do a live panel in front of five people than sit here and do a podcast. Uh, and look, I love sitting here doing a podcast. I love what I'm doing right now. I love reading your questions and like thinking about this stuff and responding to it. Uh, it's awesome. But if I was in a room at a hotel, uh, a conference room in a hotel, not a regular room in a hotel, that'd be weird. If I was in a conference room in a hotel with five other people uh, sitting down facing me, listening to what I'm saying, that's that's energy. And then amp that up by, you know, 100 people, 200 people, uh, 1,200 people. That's, woof, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And that's why when you look at these old wrestlers, these guys who are obviously there far beyond when they should be, that's what it is. They can't get enough of that. Uh, I enjoy it. I can't say I'm addicted to it, especially at this point in my life. But, man, there's nothing like that energy. Uh, so moving on, I, I don't know if that was helpful at all. Uh, the, the, the main thing to take from that question, just be prepared as best you can. Also don't over prepare. If you have too much written in your notes, it's going to show and it's not going to be organic and engaging. It's going to be boring because, uh, here's another thing that, you know, maybe you'll piss some people off, but it's just how I roll. I'm not interested in panels that are like people reading a Wikipedia article. Uh, I'm not into slideshows, although there's a place for that. I've seen some darn good slideshow panels, but that's not for me. I'm there for a live conversation between like-minded people or differently-minded people. I like a little, uh, not arguing, but debating. That's interesting as well. But what I don't like is just somebody sitting there droning facts off. If I want facts, I can go on the internet and read the facts. Don't don't give that to me for a panel. But again, your taste may uh, may differ from that. You may love it when somebody sits down and reads Wikipedia to you for, for 45 minutes, and that's okay. That's fine. We're all different, and that's what makes the world great. Uh, okay, from our pal Bobby Nash, award-winning Bobby Nash. What's one creative thing you haven't done yet that you want to do? Perhaps a bucket list item. And honestly, I've done so much more than I ever dreamed I would do. I've hosted game shows. I've moderated panels with Ric Flair and Sting and Kane. Uh, I've done all kinds of different live panels at all kinds of different conventions. I've done uh, spoken word. I've, I've never would have thought that I would have had the opportunity to do all of these things. Uh, I've been in a movie. I've had a documentary made about me. What? It's crazy. Go see Joe Stryker and check out Troublemaker whenever that thing comes out. Uh, it's, it's insanity. I, I never would have thought any of it. But 
the one thing that I did want to do that unfortunately in my youth I was too scared to pursue uh, or too afraid of rejection to pursue too lacking in self-confidence is voiceover now I did fortunately thanks to our friends the casket creatures uh, go check them out online you know how to use google uh, thanks to the casket creatures I did get to do some voiceover work on their on the intro for their album return to wolfton but I think my, well, not, I, I think, I know, my dream was always to be able to work in animation doing voiceover work. Uh, it's something that I, since I was a little kid, I imitated voices from G.I. Joe and Transformers and all the cartoons that I watched. Uh, I, I would sit and play and do every single character's voice. And I'm not going to say I was great, but it was something that I did and something that I feel uh, that I, I could do. And so that, that hasn't happened for me. And it's honestly, it's because I haven't pursued it. I haven't put myself into it because by the time in my life, I did have the confidence to do such a thing. I didn't have the time, uh, to, to put the effort into pursuing it. So yeah, that's, that's something that I would love, you know, if that opportunity ever fell in my lap, uh, then I'd be all over it. But at this point, I don't think it's realistic to, to think I could pursue that. But I think it'll happen. I, I've got to take a little sip of beverage there. Pardon me. Uh, I, I think it'll happen at some point. I do. And if it doesn't, look at all the other stuff I've done. Uh, let's see. There's another question from Bobby, so i got to remember that this one is up here. Uh, from my old high school buddy, uh, used to play bass in the band that I was in, Jeff Cook. Uh, I love you, Jeff. I hope you're doing well in your new home. You can place a single baked bean anywhere in the world. How do you cause the most chaos? Uh, I would uh, I would put it in the nose of the Walt Disney head that the reptilians are using to control the Bilderberg group. Uh, Mike Gordon. If you could select a current toy company to create Needless Things toys... What company would it be, and what characters would be in the first wave? Build a figure? Uh, Mike Gordon, uh, always with the excellent questions. He knows me oh so well. And this one, when I saw this question come through, I knew I couldn't just wing it. I had to put some thought into this. And the answer may surprise you guys a little bit. I'm sure 112 Collective maybe seems obvious uh marvel legends style uh, star wars black series style which is a different style from marvel legends uh super sevens reaction right but what i settled on interestingly to me is super sevens ultimate style but the way that they're doing the teenage mutant ninja turtles figures <laughs> and it's because this is how I visualize the characters I'm about to to drop on you for this first wave. It's the best, most entertaining, most toyetic way to capture the personalities that I see in my head. Reaction, look, nostalgic uh, concepts play really well with reaction figures to me, but I have less interest in other things i'm not saying i would turn my nose up if anybody ever came to me and said needless things reaction figures let's do it which by the way isn't going to happen 
but it wouldn't be my ideal. This is me selecting a current toy company to create them any way I want, and it would be Super 7, and it would be in this ultimate style, but le- less so than Masters of the Universe or Thundercats. I want you to picture those TMNT figures. Uh, and, and it might even be easier to go back and picture the original Ninja Turtles figures or, or the Toxic Crusaders figures uh, that, that in my personal headcanon are just an extension of the TMNT line. And that sort of style of sculpt, that cartoony, exaggerated look uh, would be perfect for, for what I'm getting ready to to put out there into the world. So, Super 7's ultimate figures come, come in waves of four. So I selected four characters, four Needless Things-related characters. There wouldn't be a Build-A-Figure... Uh, because they don't do that. And, and look, I could do a whole other episode on what a Needless Things toy line would look like in other styles, but that's not what we're here for. Uh, obviously the first release would be a Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, I would have an alternate unmasked head. The default head would be my masked head with the beard and, and, uh, probably the mask with the silver sort of kiss looking trim around the green uh if you go on facebook you can find plenty of pictures of it probably that one because i think i would say that's my most iconic mask the most art has been done of that mask uh and then an alternate unmasked head of just my head uh a microphone but this would be a like ninja turtle style microphone like it would be big and it would have uh, like a Phantom Troublemaker mask sculpted into the front and it would have the exaggerated like big um, old school microphone wire ball on top it would be an exciting accessory it wouldn't be like one of the Mattel or Jack specific microphones uh, it wouldn't be just a little black piece of crap this thing would have sculpt and paint and be exciting to look at uh, and then sunglasses, I love my douchey sunglasses that I wear when I don't have the mask on. Uh, I've, I, and, and unfortunately one of the pairs got destroyed at Dragon Con last year. It was my absolute favorite. They're rimless, purple tinted that you can wear indoors sunglasses. Uh, I, I love them. So I would come with those and then, uh, a recorder. And this again would be an exaggerated Ninja Turtle style recorder. And I don't mean it would have like frogs crawling out of it or anything, but it would be a little bit, you know, a bigger, cause I, all I use when I record things live is a, a little Olympus digital recorder. I don't have a big rig set up. I don't have a mixer. I don't have any of that, uh, because I don't think it's necessary. Uh, and look, if you guys, want to throw a bunch of money my way i'll go out and buy the nicest equipment on the market but i don't find it necessary for what i do so it would be uh, a little digital recorder probably about three times as big as as scale wise as my olympus recorder but it would have uh, a big glossy screen with stylized numbers in it the buttons would be big and and uh everything would be stylized and crazy looking and not uh just exaggerated but not necessarily super overly cartoony like there wouldn't be like slime on it and stuff 
Uh, but like the play button would be a big arrow and it just, I can picture it. You get it. You can probably picture it as well. Just think Ninja Turtles. Uh, figure number two would be Ryan Cadaver in makeup with his wasted hat, a six pack of white claws, which obviously couldn't be white claws. So maybe we'd call them like, um, black talons. And it would have, this would be, his wasted hat would be removable. Um, the six-pack would be the actual six, like the plastic thing that holds the cans together. But the cans come out of that little, they pop off of that little plastic thing. And each can has a different piece of art on it, representing like black talons. like, And, may, and maybe like one of them is... Uh, Ryan Cadaver's face. One of them is a casket creatures can. One, you know, they, they each one. There would be six different little pieces of art, and we, we, what we would do is have friends of ours that are artists would provide the art to go on these cans, uh, and then removable glasses. Because if you haven't seen Ryan Cadaver in his full corpse paint with his glasses on, you just haven't lived. Uh, figure number three would be Battle Cougar with. Uh, Deadite head and a regular head and a swappable Deadite dress and shirt. Okay, so what this is is the game show, the big game show that's in the Troublemaker documentary. Oh, no, wait. Actually, this was the big damn game show, wasn't it? No. Oh, now I can't remember where she was a Deadite. Was it Days of the Dead? It might have been Days of the Dead. But anyway, uh, at one point, Battle Cougar made herself up like a deadite, and it looked absolutely incredible. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in person. And uh, so what you would basically have here is a figure of Nicole that was in sort of default gear, uh, you know, some kind of cool, hard-designed T-shirt, uh, and maybe just sort of regular black jeans pants, I guess. Uh, I don't know. This one would probably take some consulting uh, to, to figure out exactly what it would be. But the Deadite dress, which is the torn, bloody dress, would be swappable with just sort of a regular shirt. So you could have a regular Nicole and a Deadite Nicole. Uh, and then finally, figure number four, our old pal Arian who would come with a bearded head and a not bearded head, a mayor of fuck city sash that was removable and, uh, his dog Moxie. And that is wave one of the needless things toy line, the ultimate needless things toy line from super seven. Uh, all right, moving along. Johnny Gallagher, which is one of my favorite names on Facebook. Is there still a place in the world for Tarzan? Uh, sure. I don't, uh, there might be more to this question than what I'm picking up. Uh, but I, I don't see why. Look, I think anything is possible if you've got a good writer, if you've got good creators. I, I don't think, I literally don't believe there's any property that couldn't be successful nowadays uh, as long as it had the right creative team behind it. So, 
and it may be beyond my comprehension to, to figure out what the ideas would be, but I think anybody could take anything and make it successful if you've got the right mix. I think that's just a fact. Okay, who's next? Clark is next. Clark does not have a last name, but he is on Facebook. Batman or Snake Eyes? Uh, Batman. I don't know how much I'm going to elaborate on that, because honestly, that that could be a whole episode. But obviously I love Snake Eyes. G.I. Joe is my favorite thing. I love G.I. Joe. Uh, but look... Batman's Batman. He's the main character. And, and again, you know, to tie back into the last question, a good writer could make me believe that either of them could win in a contest. Uh, of, uh, you know, obviously this would be fighting skills. I don't think Snake Eyes is necessarily known for being a brilliant tactician as much as he is just a badass ninja. Uh,. Batman's the total package because he's the main and only character of his story. Yes, there are lots of supporting characters, but the comic isn't called uh, the the Society of Spooky People in Costumes in Gotham. It's called Batman. Uh, you know, Snake Eyes has had plenty of solo projects as getting his own movie, but he's a supporting character. So in, in my... If I was to sit down and write the Batman versus Snake Eyes comic book, uh, Batman would would be victorious. And, and I don't know that it would even be close, to be honest with you. So, there you go. Although, there is the fact that Snake Eyes is willing to kill. But lots of people Batman fights are willing to kill. So, that means nothing. I don't know why I even said that. So, there you go, Batman. Uh, if you want more, maybe I'll do a mini-cast on that. Robert McIntyre, our friend from across the pond... What is the most surprising toy, parentheses, in a good way, you have ever bought? Now, this one's actually pretty tough because, you know, to, to think back to everything that I had when I was a kid, all the stuff I've collected, you know, since I was in my teens, you know, I don't know. I would have to sit down and probably take some kind of memory-enhancing drugs to give you an honest answer to this as far as the ever-bought portion. But a few things that, that hit me looking at this question, you know, I've got to mention Scareglow, the Masters of the Universe classic Scareglow. While I don't know how surprised I was, it, I, I ended up surprised by collecting the whole line after that. Uh, that's one of the most remarkable action figures I've ever bought because it, it, it got me to buy a whole line of figures that I never thought I would buy. Uh, and he is surprising in that his little... Uh, Grayskull totem that he comes with opens up and has a key inside that unlocks one of the doors in the Castle Grayskull playset that came out later on. So that's surprising. In uh, a more honest answer, uh, or a more recent answer, more, I don't know, uh, Storm Collectibles recently released some Hulk Hogan figures, and I really wasn't that interested in them because stylistically they seemed so different from American, well, Storm Collectibles, I think, is an American company, but like the the WWE Elite figures, which are the the high water mark of wrestling figures as of now, and some stuff just looked different enough that I didn't feel like it would fit in with my collection. Uh, I, I wasn't interested in them, and look, I love I love Hulk Hogan, and again, there's a whole other podcast to be had about his ups and downs and about things that he's done that 
maybe stain that love a little bit but at the end of the day uh you know i gotta say i'm 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 a hulkamaniac and ringside collectibles who i mentioned on the show a decent amount put the red and yellow hogan on sale and i just really was so curious about the figure because i i didn't i didn't feel like it would it would work in my collection but i was very very curious to see it but it was a little pricey so it wasn't worth it to me just as a i want to see how this turns out uh but then ringside put it on sale i bought it and it's incredible it is the best wrestling figure i own by a very very wide margin the articulation is amazing it looks incredible it's tan like hogan is tan so many hogan figures don't have that tan and i don't understand it because it's one of his signatures uh he's the face is he comes with two different heads it's just an absolutely amazing figure it's got a soft good shirt um all the articulation is very very mobile but also very solid and tight i'm looking at it right now across the room and it's just he does fit in with mattel's elites as far as like scale and looks go but then when you take him and pull him out he is leaps and bounds beyond what they're releasing and it's not fair to compare them because the elites are 20 bucks and this was not 20 bucks i think i think it was 45 when i bought it i think but it's worth every penny uh, i do wish he came with some flat hands so he could do the do his poses it boggles my mind why he didn't call uh, come with what i call karate chop hands but whatever anyway so that's that toy really really surprised me with the quality and uh, well not even so much with the quality just with how much i liked it because i expected it to be a quality item i just didn't know how much i would end up liking it uh and then another one spin masters new dc line i'm not collecting it but my son is and we both are way way into it which i didn't expect because they looked a little simple they looked a little basic uh but it's a great fun toy line toy is the key word not collectible although they are very collectible but they're great toys and i i like that uh all right jeff hernandez what's your go-to reality show uh i am not a huge fan of reality television to be honest uh i was i watched the first couple seasons the real world and survivor i liked survivor when it was on well i don't know it may still be on the first few seasons of survivor uh but now nowadays i'm just it's not something i really engage in i think the closest thing to what you're asking is probably ms and mrs which is about as real as wrestling is but it's a fun show they both you know they clearly care about each other and have a very special nice relationship i've always been a huge fan of ms back going back to the real world 
uh, I, I admire his work ethic. I think it's incredible that he, his journey from the real world to becoming WWE champion to now, uh, and and you know his relationship with Maurice is is really sweet. I I, I enjoy that show, and as as obviously staged as many aspects of it are. It's a fun watch, and you can just kind of turn your brain off and sit back and enjoy it. So that's that. I think that's probably the only reality show I, I watch now. But if you get into the documentary side of things, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which I've just recently gotten into, is amazing. And then obviously Tiger King, the documentary that took the world by storm uh, because of timing. That was outstanding it was incredible uh so that, that's that's some i guess real stuff that you know i'll watch and enjoy but for the most part i've always preferred fiction uh whether it be my books my tv or my movies or whatever i, I like fantasy worlds i'm much less interested in what people present as reality uh jim wright Ooh, gosh i don't know if i can even get into this one right now a little sip of water there because I'm starting to dry out after running my mouth for an hour uh, Jim I think I'm going to hang on to your question about the comic book industry because it deserves a longer explanation than I can provide right now or a longer answer than I can provide right now uh, because believe me there will be a May Q&A so I'm, I'm going to hang on to that one uh, moving on to Kevin Slayfield. Do you think they will ever put the short-lived TV show Mr. T did after the A-Team called T and T on Blu-ray with an LOL behind it? Well, I don't, that, I don't think that needed an LOL because, I mean, lots of crazy stuff comes out on, on Blu-ray. But, so... I had never heard of this show, or at least I didn't remember this show, so I had to go look it up. And it's not short-lived, first of all. It was three seasons and 65 episodes, which some of the most acclaimed shows of all time don't have that much. So it's not... I wouldn't call it short-lived. And they're all available on Amazon Prime. Uh, well, actually, I wrote available on Amazon because I had to take some notes on a couple of these because they required uh, more than just sitting here running my mouth. Uh, so uh, all of which are available on Amazon. So I'm going to assume that was, you could buy them to stream. Uh, so at this point where we're at with digital media, I don't think a lot of older TV shows are going to make the jump to Blu-ray and, and especially not more obscure ones. Uh, you know, streaming, I think we should be glad to have anything like that in a streaming format. I don't imagine the creators of T and T going back and doing commentaries and putting together a bunch of special features and things like that, that are kind of the trademarks of physical media. So I, you know, I think be happy that it's available streaming because a lot of stuff isn't. Then again, Paramount just released this past Tuesday, the police squad on Blu-ray, which probably is also relevant to your interests, Kevin. I, I hope so. My gosh. Uh, so who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe Shout Factory or Mill Creek or somebody will jump on uh, TNT and make your dreams come true. And I'll tell you what, 
Uh, Kevin Slayfield, I'm going to make this promise to you. If TNT becomes available on Blu-ray uh, and I see it out there, I will buy you a copy. Uh, Ryan Cadaver, out of all the things getting delayed, what is the most disappointing to you? And this was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, ended up being... Cause a lot of times I like to just answer, boom, first thing that pops into my head and go with that. Later on, when I have an opportunity to think about things, I'm like, oh shit, why didn't I say this? This one was the first thing that popped into my head when you asked this question. And now, a week later, or however long, a few days later, however long it's been since I asked for questions in the first place, uh, New Mutants. Fucking shit, you guys. I can wait for all kinds of other stuff. I'm so excited for this New Mutants movie. And I think what makes it so different from the other ones is that we weren't even sure it was going to come out for a while. And at this point, it's such a, a bastard child of Disney that it's like, just fucking put it out. Put it out on Amazon. Put it out on Hulu. Do Just give it to us. Give it to me now. Like, I'm like Batista. Give it to me. Give me what I want. It's driving me crazy. I just want to see this thing. I'm so excited about it. Uh, to to I'm not I don't even know that I'm excited I'm excited to experience it. I need to know what happened with this movie. What's going on? What is it? What did it turn out to be? Uh just just release the thing. Come on, Disney. Uh, and especially interesting is the weird thing that came out a couple months ago where Faggy was like, "Yeah, it's part of the MCU." What? How do you make that decision? So that's even more intriguing. So that's that's the one Man, give me some new mutants. Uh, all right, that is going to have to be our cutoff for the questions I already have. Uh, there are some great questions further down this list that are just going to wait for May. Oh, man, there are a lot more questions, so this is great. Uh, and now I've got to kick it over to Facebook for the lightning round questions. So let's see if you guys actually gave me lightning round questions or if you gave me a bunch of shit I'm going to have to sit and think about. Uh, question number one from Chris DiPatrillo, who is an awesome human being and who I just realized I need to schedule our 1990 flashback episode uh, sooner than later. Uh, so from Chris, do you think we'll see more sought-after toy lines uh, Marvel WWE sent to discount stores once the economy reopens so that big box stores stay current. Do you think the broken supply chain and lack of emphasis on items like toys will lead to rarity or at least increase in secondary market value on items that until now seemed easy to come by? Chris DePatrillo, this is not a lightning round question. Uh, my short answer is you're in the toy industry, so you probably have a better idea about these things than I do. And what I'd like to do is get you on the show to do maybe a mini cast about what we both think might happen. Uh, but those are very good points. I think it's entirely possible, especially that first scenario of uh, current stock just going straight to discount stores. Because as we all know, it takes about a year to plan an action figure. And that what that means is stuff that's heading to market now was being planned this time last year. But with all the delays, you know, first of all, Chinese New Year was a problem. And then this Corona hit. So everything is late now. 
And what you're going to end up with is like three waves of, for instance, WWE elites just sitting on top of each other in Walmart. You can't have that happen because that's the kind of thing that kills toy lines. It's already happening because there are waves of elites that came out last October that are just now showing up at Walmart. Uh, I think this is a very possible scenario. And then as far as the broken supply chain, uh, the second part of this question I, I just can't get into right now. I don't have enough time, but we'll we'll get into that at a future date. Uh, Gary Mitchell, favorite Bruce Campbell line. Uh, good, bad, I'm the one with the gun. Uh, Lucas Garrett, favorite crossover. It doesn't matter from what movie, television show, cartoon, or video game. Uh... Mm. Oh, uh, Batman vs. Predator. 100%. The comic way, way exceeded. I was just starting to become cynical when that came out, I guess. And that comic far exceeded my expectations and is still eminently readable and compelling today. That first Batman vs. Predator. So good. It's great. Recommended. Love it. Uh, and then Bobby Nash, piggybacking off Lucas's question, what two brands would you like to see crossover? Uh, mm, I don't like answering that. It's part of a lightning round. Uh, this I'm going to save this one, but I will give you a quick answer now and say... Uh, I, what happened to my quick answer? Where's your quick answer, buddy, that you were going to give? Uh, gosh, what is a natural fit? Oh, and another another possible answer to Lucas's is the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, th- that's fantastic. Okay, uh, you know what? In humanoids and GI Joe, there, boom. Uh, there, there's so many reasons why that's perfect. Uh, but yeah, that's in humanoids and GI Joe. Let's let's do it even though they're both owned by Hasbro, and that's not really, I don't think, getting the spirit of the crossover. Uh, it's its something that I've had ideas for for years uh, that I think could work very well. Uh, Richard Yule, ECW, WCW, or WWF? Uh, WCW. <laughs> he I just spit that one out there, but man, that Monday Night Wars era WCW, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, over and, and you did say WWF and not WWE, so that that's a very important distinction. Um, I don't know. That's my snap answer. Uh, I might give you a different answer next week. Favorite Star Wars from Chad Shonk. Favorite Star Wars fiction podcast. Oh, execute Chapter sixty six, which you can find here as part of the Needless Things podcast family, wherever you get your podcasts. And this is it. This is it. This is the last question of the April Q&A. Scott Brady, it better be a good one, buddy, because it's hanging on you. Has another form of a story changed your... I'm going to assume he meant opinion as opposed to option. Uh, Has another form of a story changed your opinion on a franchise as a whole? Like if a movie adaptation of a book had you go back and enjoy the book more? Uh, again, not a lightning question, Scott Brady, but, uh, yes, yes, uh, I can give an answer for this. So I'm going to read it one more time just to make sure I get it and the listeners get it. Has another form of a story changed your opinion on a franchise as a whole? And the answer to that is yes, it has. Uh, 
I watched the first two Harry Potter movies and was really surprised by how much I liked them. So at that point, I decided I wanted to go and read the books. This I think this was before the last book came out, maybe. Uh, but I did read... I don't know. I can't remember exactly the order, but here's here's what I'm trying to say. I watched the first two movies. I was like, wow, those are really good. I'm curious about these books now. I ended up reading all of the books that were currently available. And the books really blew me away. I was, at that point, I was invested in the franchise. Uh, it was more than just, oh, those are neat movies. It was... I'm so interested in this mythology and everything involved here and the the how this whole wizard thing works in this world and and the difference between the wizards and the the muggles and just it was incredible to me the the world that J.K. Rowling built blew my mind and then and I I was in love with the Harry Potter franchise and then I went and watched the rest of the movies that were available at the time and found them sorely lacking. Sorely lacking. Uh, so it changed my feelings about the whole franchise, which is not fair to the books, but I am less interested in Harry Potter now than... I was when I had just read the books. And I'm not saying the movies were bad. What I wish I had done was watch all of the movies and felt the feelings that I would have had for them without the influence of the books because I think I would have really still enjoyed them if I wasn't sitting there thinking, wait a minute, where is this character? Where is this event? What is? How do you get from here to here without doing this? Why did they leave so much out? And I know why they left so much out, because you can't get all of that into a film. You just can't. But I was just, and I can't get into specific details, because I don't remember exactly which parts I was so upset about that got left out or what was cut or whatever, but I think Goblet of Fire was the one that just really disappointed me as far as the adaptation but I really wish I had just watched the movies and then read the books and that's actually what led to the policy that I have now where I will not read the books that a movie or TV show is based on until I am done with the movie or TV show I will not do it anymore because those books took away my enjoyment of those movies that I think I otherwise would have enjoyed uh, tremendously. So, yeah, there you go. That's that's the answer to that one. That's the final question of the April Q&A uh, because I'm, I'm actually scrolling through the original list here and everything... everything on here deserves a little bit more time. Oh, no, okay, okay one more because this is so timely and I'm afraid if I wait till May everybody will have forgotten about Tiger King uh, 
So this is it. This is our last question, and I think this is a good one to go out on. Rebecca Perry, friend of the show, Rebecca Perry, did Carol Baskin kill her husband or not? Uh, I cannot answer this question because I am terrified of tigers and crazy bitches. Yeah, of course she killed her husband. Uh, I don't believe that tigers completely digested his remains. I'm sure those are in the septic tank under the house, and somebody needs to go dig them up because the ghost of Carol fucking Baskin's husband is probably still haunting that shitty, shitty animal preserve down there in where else? Florida. And that concludes our April installment of Needless Q&A. Uh, thank you for bearing with me through my mini beverage sips throughout that particular session. I did uh, got up and did my DDP yoga today, which, by the way, uh, I'm in week seven now. It's phenomenal. It's great. I love it. Um, it's keeping me on track. The app is so easy to use and so motivating. Uh, but, yeah, I, w- I was... I've done a lot today before I sat down to record, and I probably should have rested a little bit more before I did it. But, you know, that's why I keep my big, giant Avengers cup full of water here when I've got to sit down and do these marathon sessions. You guys, try and just take it easy, not get too crazy, not drive each other too crazy. Uh, like I said, we, we're all, we're all dealing with different aspects of hardship right now. And I hope that when we come out the other side, we remember some of this, that we're better people, that we're ready to better take care of each other and maybe even our world. I I told, I told Mrs. Troublemaker after I came back inside today, I was like, you know, it's actually nice and cool out today. I wonder if, if that's because people aren't out driving around and farting. Uh, which of course that's not how science works but that was that was my little joke so so everybody once this is all over and I do believe it will be over at some point once it's all over just stop driving around and farting that's if we can get that out of this global tragedy then I think it will all have been worth it it won't have been worth it this situation's so fucked but you know what I love you guys Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.